the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Amen. All right. God richly bless you. Come with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20. Proverbs 28, 20. Thank you, Spirit of God. Let's read it together. One go. A faithful man shall abound with blessing. He that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Amen. A faithful man shall abound with what? Blessings. Somebody say, I abound with blessings. Through faithfulness. I abound with blessings. Through faithfulness. A faithful man shall abound with what? That he that maketh his to be rich shall not be what? So he's telling you right in the context that the blessing he's talking about is not spiritual blessing. He's talking about material blessing. Most of the things that Proverbs write about have to do with our natural life. It's not that there's a tendency for people to uh, read spirituality into every text of scripture. There's a, a, a fresh wave of teaching that is blowing across. Where everything scripture, people read spiritual meanings into it. But the scripture has a natural side and a spiritual side. Somebody say a natural side and a spiritual side. Uh-huh. And if you don't understand that and you, you are not careful and you are not balanced to live in between, you can have a lot of problems. I've heard great ministers, people with great names, teach, 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 teach to the point that they are seeking to establish that God doesn't have any stake in blessing his people materially. Nothing can be more fallacious than that. The raw money place. I wrote a book on the truth about money. And I took time to read from Genesis to Revelation to establish what money is. As far as money is. God's relationship with money. What our relationship with money must be. And I tell you, when you look at the parables of Jesus and the things he said about money. (laughs) <laughs> there is nothing that contests for God's place and competes for God's place in a man's life than money. So if God did not take interest in that, he will actually lose many of us. That's why the scripture must be read clearly. A faithful man shall what? Abound with blessings. But he that maketh his to be rich shall not be innocent. He that maketh his. A faithful man abounds. Somebody say a faithful man abounds. But he that maketh his to be rich shall not be what? innocent he says if you are trying to be rich quick this same text is repeated verbatim in uh, what do you call it uh, although in a, a different way uh, what do you call it in first Thessalonians, uh, first timothy chapter 6 verse 17 to 19 he said they that will be no first timothy chapter 6 verse 6 all the way to 10 he said they that will be rich fall into temptation godliness with contentment is great great for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out he said therefore having food and raiment let us be there with content then he says but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hateful lusts with drown men in destruction and perdition perdition means that you sell out your faith you renounce the faith that you once had in the Lord. That's what scripture is saying. When money becomes your goal, you can easily be lost. You saw that in the parable Jesus gave. A man came to Christ and he could not lay away his will to follow Christ. And uh, tomorrow, a lot of people are in church. They have confessed Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they are not laying aside their money to follow God. And so they are not able to experience the best of God. These teachings I'm doing must ground you very well so that you have a proper understanding of what god's will is uh, is concerned as far as these subjects are concerned i realize that god is willing to bless us with as much as we can accommodate god is he has always been willing 
to bless people. In fact, the first thing God did when he made man was to bless him. So he tells you his intention. If God's will was not blessing, he will not create Adam in his image in the first word he pronounced. And the Bible said the Lord blessed them. Genesis, that's what he said. He blessed them. He blessed them from the very beginning. And his intention has always to be blessed, to bless his people. He sent Christ to come bless us. In the book of Acts, the same is established there. But you see, there is a way you position yourself to receive the things you must receive. There's a way you must position yourself. And till I go to be with the Lord, my assignment is to remind you constantly. There is a way you position yourself to receive from the Lord. Christ has died, he shed his blood for everyone who wants to be saved. But a lot of people are on their way to hell because they have not received that which has been given. You see, about a week or two ago, I was saying that it's not easy for people to receive. It's not easy. If you doubt it's easy for people to receive, just give a compliment to your wife. Those of you who are married. The moment you pass a compliment, the first thing is to be suspicious of what you are saying. So it tells you that it's not easy to receive. The first thing is a person is not sure. Even when you are saying something good, they are not sure. So it's not easy to receive. It's not easy to receive. It's not easy to receive. The Bible says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Most of the things God has to say about money, the reason why a lot of people are not following it, a lot of Christians are not working in it, is because they are in the haste to get something other than what God is able to give to them. They are in the haste. Why are you not tithing? Because you are in the haste to make more money. So you are adding the tithe to your, your money. Why is it difficult for you to part with first fruit? Because you, you are in a haste to make more money. At the beginning of the year, I must make more money. You have a target you must achieve. The Bible said, he that is in the haste to be rich shall not be innocent. May you be innocent. Now, this morning, I'm continuing my teaching, which I began with pass the test. Somebody say pass the test. Now, I want you to understand that God tests his people. Somebody say God tests his people. Yeah, God tests his people. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19. The Bible says, by faith, when he was tested. By faith, when he was tested. Somebody say tested. Say tested. By faith, when Abraham was tested, I told you the question about test is a when issue and not an if issue. When he was tested, if you have not been tested yet, you'll be tested. And if you have been tested, you'll be tested again. Again and again, again and again. God tests people. God tests people. Where you are with God in your walk with God, whatever you have in Christ, it's a function of how you are passing the test he has been assigning to you every day. If you are spiritual, what's the test you are passing? If you are doing well financially, what's the test you are passing? And greater tests will come your way. A lot of people have dreams. I meet almost everybody. Money is something everybody thinks about. And everybody wants more of it. And God also wants his people to get more of it. And yet, he cannot trust us enough in order to give us that which he wants to give us. We talked about three facts about the test of God or God's test last week. Number one, we said God will test you before trusting you with greater responsibility. Somebody say, God will test me before he trusting me with greater responsibilities. Yeah. Anywhere you find yourself, you must always test people before you trust them. Are you here with me? Yeah. Test people. Test people. Test people. A lot of people have suffered broken heart because they gave their heart to a man who was not trustworthy. Test people. Test people. The Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man. Paul spoke to Timothy and said, don't appoint anybody quickly to the position of a leader. Test people. After people have been tested, they can't be trusted because that's how God operates. He tests people. He says, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many. That all along, before he tested them in a few things, he had the capacity to make them a ruler over many things. But they needed to pass the test first. You will pass the test. Amen. And the reason why the test must be important to you is because God's focus is your heart. Somebody say, my heart. Say, my heart. My heart. No, no, no. Your heart is a place. Oh. 
your heart is a place your heart is a place there are people who pray they don't get the things they are praying for there are people who also don't pray for it and they get the same things their heart somebody say my heart i'm telling you if there is many years ago i was in a pastor's conference and the man of god was speaking and he said the engine of your ministry is your heart the holy ghost told me the engine of your work with me is your heart he was talking about ministry and he said the engine of your ministry is your heart the holy ghost interpreted to me as the engine of your work with me is your heart praise the lord when your heart is with god there is nothing he can reach out to you when your heart is with god when your heart is with god listen that's that's the principal thing a lot of people like to say i serve god in my heart it's true but when you truly serve god in your heart it will reflect in many other areas of your life that's that's where it is that's that is a principal place so your heart has to be right somebody say my heart must be right the bible says amaziah did what was right but his heart was not right with god he did what was good but his heart was not right god will test your heart god will test your heart some of you there are certain promotions you are believing god to get into when you get into it you may not even have time for god you may not even be submissive to authority again and god loves you too much to give you anything that will destroy you god loves you too much to give you anything that will destroy you some of the things that god maybe have delayed in giving to you or sometimes he denies you is to train you for a greater future i'm not communicating here it's to train you for a greater future and when you understand these things you are never bitter you are never discouraged you are never offended in god but when you feel that your way is right you will always be led astray god tests people the bible says in proverbs 17 verse 3 the new living translation says, fire tests the purity of silver and gold but the lord tests the heart somebody say the lord tests the heart fire tests the purity of gold fire tests the purity of gold but the lord tests the heart he tests the heart may your heart be found true i said may your heart be found true first thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 to 4 he said for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness nor was it in deceit for us we have been approved look at that i like that verse 4 i didn't see it last week he said for us we have been approved by god to be entrusted approved to be what approved to be an in other words you go for an interview and then you are approved after scanning your document going through they approve you and they say you have the job approved to be entrusted with the gospel even so we speak not as pleasing men but god who tests the heart did you see that god who tests our heart god who tests our heart when he tests your heart this morning what is he seeing in there what is in your heart that has dethroned christ what is it is it a man is it a woman is it the money what is it the lord who tests our heart who tests our heart you know, when the one talent man came and said, you are wicked, that blah, 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 blah. He didn't know he was revealing what is his heart. The boss told him, he said, you are wicked and lazy. That's the condition of your heart. Because out of the abundance of the mouth, the mouth speaks. Everything he said was a reflection of the state of his heart. He was wicked at heart and he was lazy in attitude. That was him. Number three, we said the ultimate objective. Somebody said the ultimate objective. The ultimate objective. Say the ultimate objective. Of God's test is his glory and your promotion. Now I want you to please get this. When God tests you, it's for two reasons. Satan tempts you because he wants to derail you, of course, or he wants to trap you, or he wants to lead you astray. But when God tempts you, tests you, it's because he wants to promote you. It's because he wants what? It's because he wants to promote you. He called Abraham and they started working together. But he told him, after he tested him, he said, Abraham, now I know you. I can work closely with you. I can work closely with you. It's not for anything. You see, miserable is a Christian who lives for his own gratification and not the glory of God. Miserable will be the Christian whose sole objective is to enjoy himself and have a self-gratification without seeking the ultimate glory of God. The Bible says, whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do all to the glory of now look at basic things like that if you are eating you are drinking and you have to do it to the glory of god can you imagine how you handle your money will not be to the glory of god
everything you do, your life is supposed to be for his glory. That's what it's about. And if you are not consciously walking in that, you are walking in error. You are, you are in self-deception. And you can never get the best of God. Plain and simple. Somebody say, my life is for his glory. Yeah, we see that. First Peter chapter six, 1, verse 6 to 7. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you are being grieved by various tests. Now go on. He says, that the genuineness of your faith, somebody say genuine faith, genuine. be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by, be tested by, may be found to what? The praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Christ. That's where we are going. All the tests we are going through is to bring us to a place of glory. You will end in glory. Yeah. I said you will end in glory. Yeah. In the book of Job 23 verse 10, he said, He knows the way that I take. And when I am tested, I shall come forth fine as... Come forth fine as what? You come forth fine as gold. Through testing, you come out fine. Through testing. When God's word is allowed to test and try you, you come out fine like gold. Psalm 66 verse 10 to 12. He said, For you, O God, have tested us. You refine us as silver is what? You brought us into... You brought us into... Uh-huh. You laid affliction on our backs. Is it exciting when afflictions are laid on your back? Is it exciting when you are tied up in a net? You can't turn yourself. Your finances are tied. Your relationships are tied. You can't move. You are caught in a trap. It is not nice. It is not a pleasant place to be. He said, you cause men to ride over our heads. Can you imagine when you train people at your place of work? And instead of you being promoted, these people end up being promoted ahead of you. Men ride over your head. It's not nice. It's not a pleasant situation. It's not a pleasant situation when you are going through fire. It's not a pleasant situation when you are going through water. But when you appear, you will come into a place of rich fulfillment. That's God's objective for the test. That is God's objective for the test. And most people don't see it. A couple of years ago, I was dealing with a, a marriage situation. And the gentleman was telling me how much he has grown in patience because he got married. Eventually, the marriage has ended in divorce anyway. But that virtue that has, he has increased in will stay with him for life. It's, it's ended in divorce. Because the wife was just a, a knife. Yeah, she was. She was. May God not give you a knife for a wife. So God tests you to know what is in your heart. Not what he is not, he is not ignorant about what is in your heart. But he wants to test. Number two, we are we are looking at passing the test. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. This is part two. Let a man so consider us. Somebody say, Let a man so consider us. As what? Servants. As servants of and stewards. Verse 2. We are stewards. Moreover, one that one it is required in stewards that one be found faithful is a must. If there is any virtue you must have as a steward, is faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness. Faithfulness means you are dependable. Faithful means that you are trustworthy. When you give a vow, you honor it. That's a faithful person. When the person says, I will be there at 10:30, they will be there at 10:30. And if they will delay, they will communicate. I'm not communicating. That's a faithful person. You can depend on them. You can rely on them. You can build with them. That is a faithful person. And the Bible talks about faithfulness in three ways. Look at this. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 to 11. Three kinds of faithfulness. One goal. He who is faithful. Is also unjust in. One goal. Be faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to your trust true riches. Who will commit to your trust what? The true riches. Take note of the word. Who will commit to your trust? Commit to your trust. True riches. May you receive true riches. Amen. I said may you receive true riches. Amen. One day I'll talk to you about true riches. Because most people don't know what true riches is. They think it's money. <laughs> true riches has more to do with the anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost, and some other things. I will show you true riches. What true riches represent. 
The Bible says, if you have not been faithful in a righteous mammon, in money, who will commit to your trust through riches? Now go to verse 12. <laughs> if you have not been uh -huh. if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So there are three kinds of faithfulness there. One, faithfulness in little things. Somebody say faithfulness in little things. Say faithfulness in little things. Number two is faithfulness in money matters. Faithfulness in money matters. Number three is faithfulness with other people's things. Somebody say faithfulness with other people's things. Say faithfulness with other people's things. And today the first one is what we are looking at. Faithfulness in little things. That is the first test all good stewards are required to pass. Faithfulness in little things. Faithfulness in little things. Because that's where we all start life from. Do you know that? Yes. Do you know that we all start from life from little? Yes. How many of you were born as old as you are now? Anybody like that? The only person who came like that failed. Because he didn't start little. <laughs> that's why when Jesus was coming, he came as a little baby faithfulness with little things that's where we all start life from if you start marriage you marry fresh you start with faithfulness in little things sometimes your money is not enough sometimes you start from a single room and there are some women who have vowed they will not marry and go and live in a single room that's why you may be you may remain unmarried until christ comes also because there's a place where you start from there are women who have vowed I will not say yes to a gentleman who has no car. That's why you will continue to hang on and enjoy your single life. Who was born with a car? I will not marry a man who does not have a degree. When you meet Kesvin, ask him what time in his life you obtained a degree. Am I communicating here? Faithfulness in little things. Too many people are too arrogant that they can't see the hand of God in their lives because they are too full of themselves faithfulness in little things faithfulness in little things faithfulness in little things you know that was the first test that the first two servants passed the one with five talent passed it the one with two talent passed it the last one with one thing missed it one talent lost it he said you've been faithful over a few things i will make you a ruler over many things he had five but he called a few because he was not looking, he was not comparing what he gave them to one another. He was comparing what he gave them to what he had with him. There was more with him he could give them than what he first tested them with. So while they were busy comparing themselves with themselves, ah, how come he gave this one two, he gave me uh, five, and he's giving me only one. God was looking at what he had to add onto them. Possibly the one with one talent. Maybe God had more in mind than the one he first gave five to. But because he failed the test, he couldn't move on. You will move on. Amen. I said you will move on. Amen. You will move on. Amen. I'm going to walk you through the life of David and help you appreciate how faithfulness in little things brings people into greatness. How faithfulness in little money brings... <laughs> one of the things I personally don't... Uh, can't accommodate is people who don't have respect for little money. Little money. <laughs> In fact, it's not just little money. Anybody who has a, a slothful or a, a, a very lazy or a very negative bad attitude towards little things, I can't do much with you. I can't do much with you because I know I have a destiny of greatness in Christ, but your attitude will not allow me to get there. That attitude of not having value for little things. Little positions. Everything about my life began on a little note. Everything about my life. Everything about my life. Everything. As far as my ministry is concerned and my life in general is concerned. I didn't start out as a pastor. No. I started out as uh, somebody who was uh, following my big brothers around and going to secondary schools and doing things. And then later on, I went to the university. I didn't start out. Not, not at all. I, I, I was just excited being a member of a service unit. I was joining the access. I was joining the missions ministry. And we're moving up and down. That's what I was doing. Then first year, by the time first year is over, they say, ah, you, you have to become a whole rep. I said, whole rep? 
thank God for Horeb. Horeb meant that you wake up early because the meeting is five. You wake up earlier than five and you have to wake everybody who is a member. And at that time, I was preaching in Unity Hall. We had about 70-something people. So to wake them up before the meeting time is you, you have to wake up very early. Some of them, you knock the door and you must knock to, to hear a sound. The person must respond before you move on. Am I communicating here at all? Then from there, I became a horse coordinator. Horse coordinator meant I was moving from hostel to hostel, following up people. Sometimes I'll go follow up people. By the time I get back to Katanga Hall, I, it was about 10 p.m. in the night. Following up people. That's why I'm here today. There's nothing. I, I tell people all the time, listen, I have never prayed for greatness in my life. Never prayed, Lord, make me great. Because they don't pray for greatness. There are principles when you follow them consistently over time, you end up with greatness. There are principles. Africans generally don't like principles. We don't like principles. It disturbs us. It, it, it restricts us. But listen, if you must go high, if you must become a prince, you have to live with principles. That's why Prince Harry is no longer a prince. Because he doesn't want to live with principles. There are things you don't do as a prince. There are things you don't do as a soldier of Christ. And if you are not willing to do it, there is no way you have a glorious destiny as a prince, but you die as a peasant. Am I communicating here? You die as a peasant simply because you will not follow what scripture requires of you. The Bible said, a man that strives for the mastery must observe the laws or else they will miss out. The reason why a lot of people don't do well in life is not because they are not gifted. They are gifted, but they are not able to limit themselves and discipline themselves and go through the things they need to go through in order for their gift to speak for them. Are you here with me? That is the ground I came from. Horror. And then final year, at a very young age, at that time, I think, what, when was I? I think I was about 23 or so. And the early 2000s was the time where those who were... Uh, a-level people in the universities were sitting out. So from 1999, 19, they, they still had an A-level system. SS people started entering in. And I was among, I happened to be among most of those types. At the time I went to CCF, all the people who were presidents were in their 40s or uh, 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 50s. Those were the people who had been presidents. And I became it when I was 23. I started this church when I was 24 years. Yeah, that's where I started ministry. I started ministry when I was 24 years. CCF, a church with over 1,500 people. At 23, the youngest guy, I was made the president. Not that I prayed for it. Not that I solicited for it. Far be it from me. I've never ever solicited for any position in life. But handling faithfully little things. Handling faithful little things. Handling faithfully little things. When church started, I knew how much I had. On me, as my personal uh, income. I knew how much I used to give as an offering. You see, I always look at how far God has brought me in terms of my finances by what I give to God, not by how much I have in the account. That's, that's how, how much I'm able to give to God every year because my Sunday offering every year must change. So if at the end of the year I look at my life and I see I've given so much to God, then I've been blessed. I'm not communicating here because I'm laying up treasure for myself in a place where no man can touch it. I'm not communicating here. You see, <laughs> you, 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 you are here to get there and God will help you to get there. 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 You see, money comes to you as a child of God when money will no longer be a Lord in your life. When you come to a place where money cannot be a Lord in your life, God knows if I give you $100,000 and I tell you, give it, you will not struggle, you will not debate him for a minute. God can command it to come to you from any part of the world. But when God gives you 50000 he gives you five CD, and he can't trust you to give 50 pesos as your tithe. You will be in the doldrums for a very long time. But I see God change your position. I said, I see God change your position. I want you to open your ears closely and listen to what David, because we look at David and we all admire David. We like David. But there was something that made David, David. A lot of people are praying, Lord, give me a Goliath moment. You don't need that prayer. David never prayed for a Goliath moment. Never once. Lord, take me to the palace. Was it a dream for David? No. Was it, it wasn't a prayer point for David. At all. 
At all. You know why David started? He started by pursuing God. That's it. He said, I found David a man after my own heart. A man after my own heart. I see a lot of young people and they have desires for greatness and all of those things and they have no value for God. I, I just know that they are not going very far. Because even if they go far, they will be destroyed suddenly. They will be destroyed. A man after my own heart. David was not going after a throne. David was not looking for anything. He was after God. That's what he was pursuing. His greatest obsession and pursuit in life was God. You will read from the Psalms. He said, Oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. As the deer pants after the water brook, so my soul panted after God. That was David. That was his life. God said, if a man can come after me like this, I will go after this person and I'll raise him up so high. I pray that you will come, be, you become a candidate for supernatural elevation. I pray that you will become a candidate for supernatural elevation. That before the age, a lot of your compatriots acquire certain things, God will give it to you freely. Can somebody give me a believing amen here? Now let's look at him quickly. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 28 to 29. Faithfulness in a few things. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard him when he spoke to the man. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? Follow the, the reading, please, with me. Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Take note, few sheep in the wilderness. With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? With whom have you left the few sheep in the world? Please follow this very closely. That's where David started his life from. You see, this was when David was about to go fight Goliath. And he appears there. His brother begins to accuse him and says all kinds of things. And the man, David, begins to speak and says, With whom? The brother says, With whom have you left those few sheep? And our moment has come. Great moment has come for this guy. And he's about to go there and the brother steps in. With whom have you left those few sheep? You see, you will never know that David was a shepherd until this point. This is where we see David. You know, the day they came to anoint David, he was not in the household. Where was he? He was at the backside of the set, taking care of sheep. And the sheep were not many. That suggests to you that David's father was not a super rich person. Because if you had a lot of wealth, like Job, you see donkeys, you see sheep, all kinds, but they didn't have that much. And David was the one managing the few sheep. That's why his brother was concerned. Why have you left the few sheep? And you are here to see battle. Now look at this. David said, he said, I know your pride. He didn't know him at all. And in the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see battle. David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Now, come with me to Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 70 to 72. He said, Please follow this. God also chose his beloved one. Who was his beloved? David. He promoted him from what? Caring for sheep and made him his prophetic servant. I like that. He made him what? A prophetic servant. In fact, among the, the people who have operated like Christ is David. David stood in the office of a king. He stood in the office of a priest and he stood in the office of a prophet. All of these identify with Christ. David amazing he made him a prophetic servant because most of the things david uttered were to give us a clue of what is in in the future concerning christ out of that lineage christ came he made him as a prophetic servant let's go to verse number 72 god prepared now please follow this I, I, I saw this while they were doing the baby dedication god prepared david and took this gentle shepherd king and presented him before the people as the one who will love and care for them with integrity, a pure heart, and the anointed to lead Israel, his holy inheritance. Where did this all start from? The backside of a desert. That's where it started from. Great God, but started from the backside of a desert. He said, that is shepherd king. He chose him as one to lead. How did he choose him? When he had the opportunity to lead a few sheep, a few sheep. In our context, it could just be a cell. It could just be a choir that you are, are asked to manage. Am I communicating here? It could just be a small service unit that has been committed to your trust. Just one or two people, they say, meet them and share God's word with them. That's how great men are raised. That's how great men are what? Joel Austin was his father's cameraman. This guy. Nobody who is watching the service now will ever see this guy. He will never, if he knows his job well, 
he will never be seen. 17 years. That's what Joe Austin was doing. Making sure that all his father's tapes were on course. Today, the whole world is seen. And not everybody even knows Joe Austin's father. If I ask you, unless those a few people who are very serious uh, in their Christian work and they read what, they, you don't know him. You don't know him. If I ask now, a lot of you, you know. Not many people know about his father. And by any stretch of imagination, by human standard, Joel Osteen's father was super anointed at Joel Osteen. He worked in miraculous power. He did all kinds of things in his life and ministry. His name is John Austin. John Austin has raised a lot of missionaries in Africa, touched a lot of giants, but not many people know him. But when Joel Osteen, who was not known, who was handling little things, did so for years, 17 plus years, when the father stepped out of the scene, God said, if you've been faithful handling camera, you'll be faithful teaching the whole world. That's why the whole world is looking for Joel Austin today. That's why the whole world, there is no nation on the planet the man is not on. That's how he started. What of our own uh, daddy Gio? E.A. Adiboy. <laughs> no, no man has led a meeting with six million people present at a time. Only that man. Do you know how he started? He started as an interpreter. He was interpreting a man who was not uh, articulate in English. So he would speak three. Let's say he would speak uh, Yoruba. The man would speak Yoruba. And E.A. Uh, uh, Adiboye would interpret it into English. So you can imagine. A professor of mathematics now interpreting a man who is a stark illiterate. It takes a lot of humility to do that, doesn't it? And yet he did it faithfully. There is no Pentecostal denomination that has a number of network of churches around the world, the whole world, like Redeemed Church. No single individually led Pentecostal church has a lot of branches. There's no continent on the planet they are not represented. Let me tell you, if you don't accept your faithfulness in later things, you don't have a future. You don't have a future in the kingdom of God. In matters of kingdom, and it's not just even in kingdom matters, in almost all things. If Jeff Bezos should tell you how he started his business, how Jeff Bezos started, how Apple computers started, you will not like it. But these are giants today. A lot of us, we are our worst enemies. We are not our own enemies. We are our own worst enemies. Because we don't have value for little things. And if you can't have value for little things in the kingdom of God, I can't tell how much of value you have for little things outside the kingdom of God. The things that are of eternal value, you don't have value for them. How much more can you value little things? That's what I'm talking about. Pass the test of little things. Pass what? The test of little things. Pass the test. That's the first test you must pass. Faithfulness with little things. Faithfulness with little things. We give you a song to come and lead. When you are faithful, you stay with the song all through the week. Because you want to give the best to the church on a Sunday morning. You don't come here on Sunday morning and you go and hide in the washroom and that's when you are going through the song. You are not faithful. You cannot be entrusted. God cannot give you songs to bless nations like he's giving to snatch and other people. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. I'm not complicating here. You want to be a great minister? Learn to be faithful with little things. Give you an opportunity to be an MC. You are there in time because you are excited for that opportunity. I'm not communicating here. Faithfulness with little things. Faithfulness with little things. Faithfulness with little things. Now, he says he chose, he prepared him. He prepared him. Somebody say he prepared him. He prepared him and presented him before. Now, let's look at how the preparation started. Look at this. First Samuel, David is anointed three times. He's anointed how many times? Three times before he's confirmed the king. So, the anointing came. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 to 12. Now, verse 1, he says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Now, please follow this, the sequence. It's key. How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with what? Fill your horn with what? And go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his. God has provided a king. And they went looking for the king. They couldn't find the king. They went looking for the king. They couldn't find the king. Because the king was enjoying little things. He was busy 
caring for little things. You know the people God will look for and God will select and God will anoint? They are people who are mindful of little things. Little things. Now look at this. He says, Samuel said, how can I go? If so, yes, he will kill me. So he went. Let's look at verse 6. So it was. So it was. When they came, he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. This one looks anointed. <laughs> this is muscle parade. Look at this. He said, the Lord's anointed is before him. Now, but the Lord said to someone, do not look at his appearance or at his stature because I have refused him. Are you here with me? Yes, yeah. God who chooses people also refuses people. You, you remember when this man, this uh, sorcerer, wanted to buy the power of God. Oh, the man said, listen, that's not how we take this in. <laughs> Your money perish with you. I have refused you. He says, that is not the man. Don't look at his appearance. I'm looking at, God looks at the heart. Somebody say the heart. The heart. Say the heart. the heart. Oh, verse 8. He says this. Ah, yeah, yeah. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass. I said master parade. Somebody say master parade. Pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. <laughs> verse 10. So then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to the Lord has chosen, has not chosen these. Seven. The eighth one is a new beginning. God is about to start something. And he wants a man who has value for little things to start it with. Look at verse number 11. I want you to see when you are faithful with little things, even if you are in the corners, the hottest corner, God will bring you into the limelight. God will bring you into the limelight. He says, someone said, are all, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there, he's what? There, he's what? Keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. May there be a divine call for you. Amen. May there be a divine call for you. Amen. If you have proved yourself faithful, may God open a divine door for you. Amen. Faithfulness. We are not sitting down. You heard Pastor Martinson's story. How they called him from a village, a visa is waiting. That's something people pray for years and they never get. Go for all night, seven years straight in the market. Wait for them. Because their heart is with God. Heart is with God. You'll be called out. Amen. I said you'll be called out. Amen. Then he said, he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. So when in the book of Psalms he said, the Lord chose David, or he chose his servant, that's what it means. That's how the choice was made. It was made among many. Listen, when you are faithful with little things, I'm telling you, they can set aside. See, they started from the front. They went to the back. Praise the Lord. They went to the back. And they brought the one that the father was not ready to even showcase. You say, oh, my boss doesn't like me. That's why I'm not promoted. Listen, I can almost say for a certain, if you know who you are in Christ, and you are consciously asserting your position in Christ, and you are doing what is expected of you to do in the office, no boss on, in heaven or hell will be strong enough to stop your promotion. No boss, no boss in heaven or hell is strong, <laughs> will be able to stop your promotion. If you know who you are, those, those conditions I gave are very critical. Knowing who you are, asserting your position in Christ, and then doing what is expected of you. And most of the time, we can confess who we are, but we don't do what is expected of us. They give us a job, we do it poorly. And yet we are praying for promotion. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. David was anointed, number one, king over in the presence of his brothers. Did you see that? Look at that. He anoint, anoint him in this one. So he was anointed in the presence. The second anointing came. Was before all Judah. Somebody say before all Judah. Before all Judah. That's 2 Samuel chapter 2 verse 4. 2 Samuel 2 4. Then the men of Judah came and then they anointed David king over the house of what? Over the house of what? Over the house of what? Now David had been in the desert. Nobody was there to celebrate him. Now, God has proven him faithful and he's bringing him out. He starts with his house. He brings him to Judah. And now look at chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. David is anointed over the whole nation of Israel. 
David is anointed. Now, let's go. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them before the Lord, and they anointed David king over King over, king over. Now, but listen, after every anointing, there was a test of faithfulness with little things. After every anointing, there was a test of faithfulness with little things. You see, David was first anointed before he was crowned. Did you see that? He was anointed. David was not crowned as king as long as Saul lived. He became crowned as king as, uh, and, uh, after Saul died. Now, ask yourself, what happened between the time he was anointed before his brethren and the time he was crowned king? And I tell you, it's all about tests. It's all about what? And most of the tests have to do with little things. Somebody say little things. Little things. Little things. Little things. Test. Test. Test after. Let's walk through a few of the tests. It will help you. (laughs) One was his father's house. His father's house. Somebody say David was tested. In his father's house. Yeah, David was tested in his father's house. What was he doing in his father's house? He was a shepherd. Did you see that? And that was a job nobody would do but the least. So that is it. (laughs) David was a shepherd in his father's house. How did he do this job? He did it excellently. Somebody say excellently. Say excellently. Excellently. Give small job to David. He did it excellently. You know, his brother asked him, with whom have you left the few sheep? How many of you remember that question? He said, you have come here. You don't care about the sheep. You don't care about the father's business. You are such a poor shepherd. With whom have you left the few sheep? You know what he answered. Now let's look at the answer in 17 to 20. Then Jesse said to his son David, take now for your brothers an effort of this dry grain, and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. Verse 18. And carry ten what? These ten what? Jesus. To the captain of their thousand. And see how your brothers. Your brothers. And bring back news of. News. News. Now let's look at how David went. So you can imagine that. Maybe all of a sudden you are a shepherd. You are in charge of a cell here. And then you have a visa. And you have to travel to America. And by the time we realize, Pastor, you are, I'm at the airport. Oh, I'm traveling to the U. Listen, I'm at the airport. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> I've had calls like that here. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I've had calls like that. People are pastor shepherded for years. They are moving and they, they move before they tell me they moved. He says, This man is about to travel, he's about to go. Then he said, now when Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Now, <laughs> go to verse 20. So David rose up what? Early in the morning. Left what? Left what? The left the sheep with the keeper. 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 Left the sheep. When your boss leaves you to take care of the office. And you also go about gallivanting in town. Who have you left the office with? They so trusted you. You are the best man on the job. And they've handed over to you. And he's out. And you are also out. Oh, next week I'm going to travel. I will not be in church. What will be the time you will come to church as an assistant pastor? Because I'm not in town. And if there is any time to give out your best, it's in the absence of your boss. I'm not communicating here. And unfortunately for me, most Ghanaian institutions, when the Ogakota Kota is not there, that's where people are themselves. Have you seen that? You can't even respond because you are pretending. Yeah, that's how we operate. That's how we operate. When the Oga is not there, that's where people really, everything he has taught them, is not, it doesn't matter. So sometimes you can go into an organization and it's as if the whole place is disorderly. It's not because it's disorderly. The people are themselves. Because Oga is not there. And let me tell you, when you are that type, cancel yourself out from elevation and greatness. Cancel yourself out. No matter how long you pray, you will be small all your life. All your life. It's not a case, but it's a matter of principle. It will not happen. He said, with whom have you left a few sheep? David left them with their keeper. 
You are in the choir. You are, you are supposed to lead a song or you are, you are playing a significant role. And you don't show up. And nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Because you don't care about what we are doing here. You think we are just joking. You don't know we are dealing with spiritual destiny and people's future. Am I communicating here? With whom have you left the fellowship? Listen, if I left this church when we were very, very few, we will not be here today. We will not be on radio today. We won't have branches today. Am I communicating here? I've stayed with this church. I've had opportunity to travel many times. My elder brothers travel across the globe. Ask my wife. Every time he's asking me for opportunity. Let me get this visa for you. I told him I don't need it because I'm focused. What I'm doing, it doesn't allow me to travel. I'm not communicating here. I'm too busy to travel about faithfulness. At that time, this church couldn't even give me anything. And if I had followed him and had gone back and come back, I would have come back with some good dollars. I would have come back with some good dollars. But I've stayed through and through. That's how God elevates people. I never pray. I've never dreamt that one day I'll be on radio anything. Never. Because starting a church cry, it wasn't my idea. I'm not communicating here. I want you to appreciate that there are principles of life. And if you ignore and break those principles, your life will be broken. It is not a matter of a curse or whatever. Believe in these things. Practice these things. Be faithful in little things. He left it with the keeper. In his father's house, he was a shepherd. A shepherd over a few sheep. In his father's house, he was not only a shepherd, he was also a messenger. Aaron's boy, they sent him, go and come, go and come, go and come. They sent him to carry cheese. Is that not what he was doing? That is a boy, boy. Aaron's boy. That's what he was doing. And he was doing that faithfully. You see, it was when he, on one of such errands, where he was sent to deliver, that's where his breakthrough came. Oh, you didn't catch it. It was on one of such errands. He went there. He was not going to see. The brother said, you have come. I know your pride and your insolence and you have come to see battle. He was wrong. Because David had not come to see battle. He didn't even know. He was enjoying himself, playing his harp to his sheep at the backside of a desert. He couldn't be bothered about what was going on on the battlefront. Not knowing battle had been going on for 40 days. And Saul was in hiding and the soldiers were in disarray. And nobody had the answer but David. And how would David get that opportunity? By handling faithfully little things. The father said, carry the food. He carried it faithfully. When he went, he saw them. Kai! War! He said, what's going on here? He said, there's war. And this has been on 40 days. He said, what? You mean this guy, this nasty guy is insulting the God of Israel? And all of you are watching? Ha! Ah, that cannot happen. They said, no, you cannot. You are, you are talking arrogantly. You are too small. You can't do this. He said, listen, when I was handling those little things faithfully, I had an opportunity to fight with a bear. While handling little things, I had an opportunity to fight with a, a, a lion. And I tell you, by those skills I've gotten in my hands, these same hands that could bring a lion down and a bear down will bring this uncircumcised Philistine down. That's how David became known. Overnight! By handling faithfully little things. Most of this younger generation, eh, our problem is that we want greatness and we want it now or never. And people who want greatness now or never, never get it. They never get it. Now or never. You open a small shop, you put somebody there, and he cannot concentrate and give attention to the work. And they are just moving helter skelter. Because he's in a hurry to make, get his own shop. Wait, when I come next week, you appreciate next two weeks, you appreciate what I'm going to talk about. Praise the Lord. It was when he went faithfully with little things. Then he heard. Can you imagine when they send David to go no, no, <laughs> send the cheese? He says, ah, daddy, I'm a big boy now. I can't go and be running this kind of errands. He would have missed Goliath. And if he had missed Goliath, everything that David became would have been gone. And he would be sitting down crying and cursing his stars. God has not been fair to me. I'm offended in God. Not knowing that it was his own uh, poor handling of little things that ended him like that. Are you here with me this morning? <laughs> so that was it. Then he comes to palace, a source palace. Somebody say source palace. When David came to source palace, where did he start from? He started as a musician. That's how he came in. Do you, do you, do you know that? He came in as a musician. He was playing the harp. Anytime, anytime, anytime. Somebody comes to the church and says, I'm called to ministry. You tell him, join the service unit. He's not willing to join. You may be called. 
but <laughs> you'll be frustrated in your journey to fulfill the call. Because God doesn't work like that. He started, he came into the palace. Many people come into the palace and they want to be dining at the table with the king. That's what they want to do. They come to the palace. He, you are around your boss and you want to eat what your boss is eating, wear what your boss is wearing, instead of being around to serve your boss. I'm not communicating here. That's what you do. When you are around your boss, the Bible even tells us, he said, when you go to a table with the king, be careful and put a knife to your throat. If you are a person who is given to ap appetite, when you are dining with a certain person, I'm not communicating here. There are people when you get, you are invited to come into a certain circle, you have to behave yourself very well. That's why David stayed there and he took over. Because he learned the job well. A lot of people go and they are, he started as a musician. He was playing the harp. And then he became another errand boy. The Bible tells us that David went anywhere he sent him. Saul sent him. Can you imagine? Anywhere they sent him. Can your boss send you anywhere? Some of us have made ourselves too proud that they cannot send us to certain places. When they are looking for certain works, it is, they won't call you because they know that you won't go. Or you go and represent them poorly because it is beneath you. But so David went, well, let's see, it, it will help somebody. First Samuel 18.5. First Samuel 18.5. He said 18.5. So David went wherever self sent him and behaved himself wisely. Behave himself what? Wisely. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Behave. He went everywhere and behaved himself wisely. He sent him to some big men. He behaved himself wisely. He didn't go and ask, can I have your uh, uh, contact? Woo! What a daft you are. What a daft you are. You've been sent to just being around, hang around greatness and you're asking for contact without your boss knowing. Sometimes you, you, you are, I, I remember one time, daddy introduced me to somebody and the person wanted to give his number to me. I said, I will take it from my father. That's what I told him. I told him I would take it from my father. And later on, he was telling me what that meant. I said I would take it from my father. Because I don't know you from anywhere. I don't know you from anywhere. But for my father, by being in the company of my father, I will not have met you. So I'm not coming to strike acquaintance with you. If you want to deal with me, deal with me through my father. I'm not communicating here. A lot of people have destroyed their lives simply because... It, that's why before you come into a certain circle... You need to be schooled properly. Yeah. You need to. You need to. A lot of opportunities people lose in life. Eh? It's not God. Who, it's not the devil. Those who are born again. Spirit filled. And they are conscious of who they are. I tell you all the time. Satan is very low when it comes to our dealings. Dealings. I don't pray about Satan. I don't pray about Satan. I address my father and I'm conscious of my father and I, I give instruction to Satan because he knows where he's supposed to, how his relationship with me is supposed to be. He said, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may. Look at him. He may devour. So there are people he cannot devour and you can put yourself in that class. I'm not communicating here. You can put yourself in that class. Faithful. Everywhere he went. To David. In the palace. He was an Aaron's boy. In the palace he was an armor bearer. And what a faithful armor bearer David was. In the palace. He became. Uh, uh, first Samuel 16. Verse 21. He was his armor bearer. Do you see how faithful David was as an armor bearer? An amazing armor bearer. When his boss. He was supposed to protect. Was looking for him to kill him. David was looking for him to protect him. Can you imagine that? That's faithfulness faithfulness. That is the kind of person God will promote. That is the kind of person God will promote. His boss was looking for him throwing javelins. The dead sword died. Ay, ay, ay. David could not eat. Ha! How can I eat? The man who came to tell him his boss was dead. David dealt with him. Why? Because he was not interested in bringing his boss down. The place you are, what is your greatest interest? There are people sometimes who can hang around leaders and they are seeking to bring them down. Anything good in their lives, they are not happy. Anything good that comes into their life, they are not happy. They feel that it should have come to them. This man died. Hi, yeah, yeah. 
He was in tears. Now, imagine this. Imagine this. David certainly was not an African or a Ghanaian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you throw a party on the death of your greatest enemy. The man who is sworn that he's going to make sure that you don't live and you don't fulfill your destiny. The man is dead. And David says, ah, I can't eat. My day is messed up because Saul has been killed. That is a faithful armor bearer. That's why nobody could kill David. The Bible said David died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. You see, we think that we just confess long life, long life, long life. I'm prosperous. I'm the head and not the tail. Listen, there are principles to become the head. If you don't know how to honor people who are the head, you can become one. You can become one. If you can't honor the head of anything, you cannot become one. Praise the Lord. I know a number of you medics have your dreams of running your own clinics and hospitals and all of those things. It starts with faithfulness. It doesn't start with money. It starts with faithfulness. Because our people have built great law firms. They built great uh, hospitals. And they are a pale shadow of themselves. Because the foundation upon which it was built was not correct. I'm not communicating here. You see, whatever you build in life eh, is the foundation that will determine how long it will last. And if the foundation is 40, the Bible says if the foundation be destroyed, the righteous can do nothing. Faithful, David. Faithful in little things. In little things. How do you relate with little things? How do you relate with your little wife? How do you relate with your husband who is, has a little salary? See the kind of way you talk to your husband because of his little salary. How do you relate with your little car? How do you relate with the little money God has given you? You grab and grab and grab and you can't think that God has a stake in your finances. How do you relate with little things? If you are going to ever experience greatness, if you are ever going to be entrusted with much, that's where it begins from. And I pray that God of all grace will give us grace to relate with little things in the most appropriate way. Open your mouth and speak to the Lord. Labrade vasonde de beleve zabrandava. Grace to be faithful in little things. Gabako sebrede valo sebre. Lift up your hand and put your hand on your heart. This is where it starts from. This is where it starts from. Your heart. Your heart. Your heart. Your heart. When your heart is not right with God, your gifts cannot be accepted to Him. Your heart. Lord, give me a faithful heart. Lord, I have the fruit of the Spirit in me. I yield my heart to you. Open your mouth and begin to speak to God. I yield my heart to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise for your word of faithfulness. Thank you that grace is upon us to distinguish ourselves as faithful men and women. We honor you and we give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Now may he who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his throne with a seeding joy, the only wise God, preserve and keep you. I declare that in your going out and your coming in, you are preserved. No agenda of the wicked on your life shall flourish. In the name of Jesus. I'm fulfilling my prophetic ministry in your life. And so I declare that in this week, faithfulness will open doors for you. Doors of greatness will be open for you. In any area of your life where because of faithfulness you missed it, may the mercy of God give you another chance. In the mighty name of Jesus, go with the goodness of God. Return with his testimonies on your lips in every area of your life. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word. And then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We we'll look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed.
Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.